1: Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. At Bright Vibe, we believe everyone deserves to be happy. But in today's world, everywhere you turn, there is division and negativity. At Bright Vibe, we have created a global movement to bring 8 million people together who are inspired to live bright, live bold, and share bright vibes. Alone, it can be hard to change, but together we can change the world. Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. All right, Carrie Jacobs-Crovetto, welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. So happy to have you on.
2: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Matt.
1: Yes. We're going to have a fun conversation today about leadership. But first, I just love saying your name, Crovetto. We talked about it that you're from Argentina and Italian. you got some of uh, uh, both there, a lot of passion in those two cultures, right? Italian yeah. and yes. Argentina. I mean, those... Oh, is that right? Yeah. My oh, oh, I,
2: yeah so...
1: I love it. Yeah. I, visited... I'm
2: actually Middle Eastern. He's Argentina. <laughs> when us together. You get a lot of passion.
1: <laughs> I bet that's, that's going to be fun when you have uh, uh, discussions. That's yes. going to be lots of fun when you have There's discussion. There's a
2: lot of boundary management.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you're, and you're a leadership expert, you're a leadership consultant, you're a leadership coach. And now I understand why you got to be one to be married, right? To stay married. Absolutely. In that field. That's a, a lot, lot of firepower. Yeah, I bet. I, bet. <laughs> I like that. I like <laughs>
2: that. I've been a rebrand that as firepower.
1: Firepower. Yes. Yes. Um, no, I visited South America a couple of times, Peru specifically, and I've been to Brazil and places like that, but I spent quite a bit of time in Peru. And man, I just love the culture of South America. I just love the passion and everything. So almost romantic and the food and the speech and everything's just, you know, just wonderful. It's just, I loved it. I loved it. I love South American culture. It's, It's very cool.
2: Well, I think as you say, most passionate people in the world are the ones that sometimes create the most innovative new. Yeah breakthrough ways of doing things and we also have sort of an underbelly <laughs>
0: that
2: passion can that passion can get us into trouble which is yes. a little bit of what we'll talk about today a
1: L- little bit of an edge comes with that passion usually right little and edge, a little bit of an edge side. and if it's not managed properly it can be yes kind of uh challenging for others <laughs> and challenging for us exactly <laughs> right right so tell us a little bit about um i know you teach and you teach at some schools that we you know some places that we would rec- you know people our listeners would know so you teach at, you have a class at stanford correct
2: i do i facilitate a course called interpersonal dynamics also known as affectionately as the touchy-feely course at stanford <laughs> uh, it in the mba school nice. and it is an option course but it, there's always a waiting list and we really teach um How to give and receive feedback, how to look critically at yourself, how to handle conflict, Mm -hmm. Um, which is oftentimes at a school like Stanford and many type A people, you know, we, we live from the neck up and much of what we forget about is the body and the somatic self, what we're feeling, even being able to recognize what we're feeling. And then we're taught, you know, we kind of double down on that at work and we say, okay, you know, oftentimes you know, we perceive work as a place where feelings are checked at the door. Right, and we're trying to manage our impulses and manage our feelings, and so we actually bring that all into the room and work nice. with it.
1: Nice, nice. And you've got some, you know, uh, you know, went your website when I'm doing all my uh, research. But you've got some really cool uh, companies that you've consulted with, coached with. Um, you've got like on there. I, I think I saw. Yeah, there we go. LinkedIn. Uh, you've got Amazon, GitHub, you know, so some of the cool, trendy companies, right? Uh, PlayStation. So there's a lot of, you, you work with companies that I would say are probably more leaning towards having uh, leadership development than maybe some other companies that aren't as, you know, when you look at something like Amazon, I, I think, yeah, there's they're a company that's wanting to develop leaders, right? Because grow, their growth is just so fast, right? You have to grow leaders. You can't, I don't care if you love Amazon or hate Amazon. Everybody has it, but you love it, right? But you, you you, know that for that business, if you're a business leader, you know for that to grow as fast as it has, it has to have good leadership, you know, at, at training at some level or otherwise it just blow apart, right? None of us would be That's getting right. our packages in two days. That wouldn't happen, right?
2: Right. And you make a really good point, which is that you can draw a very direct line from great leadership to great and innovative companies. and. Right. You know, some of these companies likely did, like LinkedIn, like Amazon, they understand that by developing and training, not only their mid-level managers, but their executive teams, mm-hmm. that that in part has a direct link into the success of their company. It's always hard to still prove that. There's a lot of challenging ways that, you know, people right. like me and companies that are in the coaching space are trying to prove how mm-hmm. uh, to create those direct line and metrics. But right. I think just intuitively we know.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, you you think of Apple like a Steve Jobs, right? Apple's doing great. You We we talked a little bit about, or was doing, I mean, when Steve was there the first time, it was doing great, but the culture was starting to lag a little bit because of probably the shadow side of Steve's personality, right? And so they kick him out, right? But then the company struggles because the innovation's gone, right? And so then he comes back, you know, years, they ask him to come back years later, and then I've got to believe. Well, I watched the movie, right? So I must know everything about that uh, about Apple. But you know, he comes back and he's a little bit more balanced. Not maybe not as edgy as he was the first round. And then he rebuilds Apple to you know now. I think it's the number one valued company in the world. uh, Apple, I think that at least in the states. And so that's kind of that balance of when innovation works, but then when we have too much of uh, what what would you call that? That Steve kind of. that edge, because he was super quirky from what I understand.
2: He was quirky. I mean, he was, a, Steve was a, a visionary who right. had a very sort of um, top-down style, mm-hmm. right? Like he sort of knew what he wanted to do and he leaned on several people in his company, but it was a handful of people at the end of the day, I think, who really stewarded what was his vision. I think the difference between sort of him and Tim, for example, if you look right. at the archetype of it, mm-hmm. I'm not saying Tim specifically, but the archetype of Tim, yeah. right? He's much right. more a benevolent leader.
1: Right. Um, a man. And I think so, of him as more of a manager than a visionary, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, very much so. I mean, there right. are stories of him actually being quite a hard-ass as well, and he has right. to be, right? Yeah, but yeah. By and large, as a leader and how he sort of approached the investor community and Wall Street, you know, mm-hmm. his approach has been much more benevolent and and uh, and inspiring right. that the people that work at Apple versus sort of that top-down visionary style that Steve had.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah,
2: and, You know, I was going to say, you know, I work with a lot of sort of founding startup teams as Mm -hmm. well. That's one of my sweet spots. And that's a question that comes up often, right? Which is how do I, as a visionary, drive innovation and drive new thinking and drive productivity while also being empathetic and creating a culture Mm -hmm. of inspiration through empathy? And those things are oftentimes at odds. And I think that you you raise a really good, you know, two points of a really good duality with Tim Cook. And, right. and with Steve Jobs, and, right. you know, both get the job done mm-hmm. right? in yeah. very different ways. Right. right.
1: I'm an entrepreneur, so I'm typically a founder and then grow stuff, right? That's my energy. And so, you know, what it takes to kind of get the plane off the ground versus what it takes to keep it in the air, two very different skill sets. In fact, I went through a leadership program. They called it two in a box. Basically, you have to have that, you know, that strong visionary that holds that visionary space. But then you also have to have somebody who's extremely tactical and can then take that vision and continue in, and expand it. Otherwise, the visionary a lot of times will crash and burn because they are they don't ever get out of their own way, so to speak, or they don't get out of the way of the company. And so to scale, you can't just vision yourself. You, you, you wear your people out. You, right? you do things that, yeah. that aren't the best for the company because you're holding maybe too high a standard to, to get it. To keep it in the air, so to speak. It's like, no, it's got to fly faster. It's got to fly faster. It's fly- and eventually the wings pop off the thing and it hits the ground, right?
2: Well, it's a very good segue into <laughs> talking about where we are in history.
1: Right. Well, right?
2: That, yeah, because yeah. in some ways you can say we were just at that sort of visionary accelerating point when, that, yeah. when the pandemic hit, right? right. Yep. We we're flying at a very giant speed. Mm-hmm. Pandemic hits. Wings pop off the plane, right? We have mm-hmm. the moment in time where we have i think one of your guests bruce called it like this earthquake Mm -hmm. moment right yes yeah 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 lifequake right like we have this life lifequake moment
1: Uh
0: for
2: ourselves right Right. as a society as a global world and -hmm. now we're just out of that and so and we're in this place of sort of what some might call a contraction Mm -hmm. right where in Mm -hmm. many ways what you're talking about is going from visionary scale 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 push push and now how do we just land and run the plane and how, do right. not, how do we land and run the plane when we've got a little conflict going on, right? right. Confl- conflict yeah. not only in the world, but conflict in the tr- in terms of layoffs and how do we sort of repurpose ourselves around being a good operating company versus a good climbing growth company,
1: right? Exactly. And so, and I guess to build on that, Carrie, what are you seeing with your clients now, or or the companies, or or just in general? It's it seems like there is a lot of transition happening. Um, You know, companies either, to your point, laying off or some companies scaling up. I knew some companies during COVID that couldn't hire people fast enough. And then I knew other companies that couldn't fire people fast enough, right, just to survive. And so there was lots of, um, there was market segments that were booming, and then there were market segments that were crashing at that very same time. So it was very uh, polarizing almost to watch. So I guess, what are you seeing currently? Where do you think the biggest leadership, I'll say challenges, opportunities are? What are leaders? Because it seems like all leaders are kind of struggling right now with how to navigate this world.
2: Well, and I'll go back to the guests that you have that talked about the life quick. I think yeah. one of the things that that, that podcast shared mm-hmm. was, you know, that it really takes four to five years right. to kind of come through mm-hmm. a great moment like that. And if you look at it, I mean, we're really in sort of year one of coming out of one of the biggest times uh, we've ever seen in our lifetime, for sure. Yes. But also, in addition to that, you're looking at the largest sort of like director level, mid level, and and sort of executive level right now are millennials. Most Mm -hmm. millennials have also not been through a moment of big contraction. Right. Right. So you really have, you know, multiple not only uh, like business level dynamics that are happening where people were hiring and then all of a sudden we're contracting, but you've also got these internal emotional dynamics that are Mm -hmm. happening for people. We haven't even begun to come through that sort of 45 year moment, right? Of Right. Exactly. What happens as individuals and then as society and then as business society. So the tumultuousness of experiencing sort of like this rapid growth and then the shutdown and then now this sort of, we're kind of coming back, but are we really coming back and what's happening? I think mean, it's very rough on people as human beings. Right. And so what I'm seeing with a lot of my leaders is how do I manage my own emotions? Number one, how do I, mm-hmm. how do I manage what's happening me? Mm-hmm. Right. And then mm-hmm. number two, how do I now manage leading a company where maybe I am having to either contract because my runway is shorter or I'm needing to lay people off, or maybe okay. I'm in a fortunate position where I've, I'm in an innovation space where I'm in an innovation time. But the rest of the world isn't coming along with me in that journey. Right. right? Yeah. So there's a nuance to working with a variety of different levels of what we're experiencing um, on the individual level, on the social level, and then at the business level as a, as a result of all of that.
1: And I'm sure that's a, a pro- I know it would, it is a process to learn skills, to navigate all that. If we could kind of discern some of like, when you're talking to leaders, about how to manage their own emotions, what do you typically help them, you know, focus on? So if somebody, somebody listening right now and that's leading people can be like, oh, okay, this, I can lean into this. Cause you know, with this podcast, I hope that people find value for their life, not it just to, that it's, I hope I'm entertaining. I hope people find, you know, that my is entertaining in some way, shape or form, and your story's entertaining and, and, and enjoy it, but ultimately, hopefully when they walk away from listening, the value is that they just learn something that they can apply immediately or at least contemplate on to apply. And so for, for leaders, when you got all this stuff happening, how do you stay focused? How do you stay centered, I guess, is a better way to put it.
2: So I once heard very early on in my life a great quote that was most human beings live about 20 feet in front of themselves.
0: <laughs>
2: they live, So they walk around yeah. projecting their actual self in front mm-hmm. of their body right right and you can almost imagine this right when we yeah. walk through the world you know try, right you said you take a hike this morning so
1: yeah i was trying, that was
2: right that it's was like
1: yeah that was so, exactly where i was at this morning i was literally doing what you're talking about i was literally thinking of a text that i wanted to send when i got back to the car and then i'd be like what am i doing i am living to your point i wouldn't have thought of it as 20 feet But it's basically, I'm living in the car, sending the text. I need to be living on this walk right now, breathing the air and letting the rain hit my face. Right.
2: That's so beautifully said. And there's a way that every day that we're in any meeting we're in, whether we're a leader or other ways, whether we're running a company or we're in middle management or whether we're just starting out, that every opportunity is a moment to sit in a meeting and feel the rain hit your face and feel your feet hit the pavement. The tricky part is we forget how to do that. Some of us never really learned how to do that. Right, right. So you, you talk about, you know, I teach a course at Stanford where you have high achievers. These are masters of business, MBA students, right? Who've been achieving most of their lives and usually yeah, they've come in, like 25 to 35 back. years of age, yeah. right?
0: Right, yeah.
2: And then they've been living in the headspace for so long that to even ask them what they're feeling takes a good month. To to put them back in their body and connect us back into our feelings.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. And we can maybe like we oftentimes will think we know what we're feeling because we're thinking our way to a feeling. Right. But we actually don't know what we're
1: feeling. Right. Yeah.
2: What do you think the number one way is to know what you're feeling?
1: I haven't read the answer. So I would just think breathing. I guess for me, it's breathing.
2: That's a very good guess. I say slowing down. Gotcha. Slowing down right? Slowing mm-hmm. down to speed up, slowing down to be with your slow, slowing down to be in the room you're in, slowing down on your height to be where you are. And in that slow down, oftentimes, the, you know, the body keeps the score is a fantastic book, right? Where the body knows oftentimes through feeling space, through what the body is sensing, right. what the right answer is, what the right way to go is, what the right next move is. And that is so requires so much less energy, then mm-hmm. trying to figure it out 20 right. feet in front of ourselves with the brain. So, right. one of the first things I'll do with the leaders I coach is put them back in their body. Mm-hmm. Right. How are, what, what is it you're feeling? Can you name what you're feeling? Half the time it's no, right. I don't, yeah, know what
0: I'm. right. Yeah.
2: I'm just in the scatter. I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure out how do I, how, you know, how do I keep pushing? How do I not lay people off? And so, that first step one is how do we go back in the body? i um, slowing down. And how I slow down oftentimes is through noticing the breath. I teach a, mm-hmm. heavy, I have a heavy meditation mindfulness piece to mm-hmm. my coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't always call it that because different people have different reactions to that. Right. But what I will do is have people just slow down for the mm-hmm. hour that they're with me
0: mm-hmm.
2: and name what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then we try exercises to bring that into the room. Okay, how are you going to do this in a conversation with the VP How are you going to do this in a conversation with your investor or with your board? Mm -hmm. How are you going to do this when you're actually getting that board presentation ready? Right. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's that difference for you from, Mm -hmm. you know, constructing the text 20 feet of yourself. Right. Imagine how that would have been for Mm -hmm. you to just feel the rain, feel your feet and know that that text will come organically by just being where you are. Yes.
1: And for me, I started singing. To be honest with you, I started singing, I I just, and I didn't do it consciously. I just started singing and it wasn't a song. It was just like, I was singing as I was walking, kind of as a, a meditative prayer with God. And so I just started singing this song to God and it was like, but it was a conversational and I didn't do it as a present practice. It just happened because I slowed to your point, slowed down. And I wasn't trying to be in my car writing a text, which I didn't actually write or send. So that became my meditative practice, right? And that brought me back to feeling the rain on my face, you know, as I was singing. So it kind of got yeah. me out of my head to some degree and let me get back in my body.
2: Well, this is the thing. I think it is so easy. So I'm just to, to give you a little bit more back my background. I was the CMO for almost 30 oh. years before uh-huh. I became an executive coach and I built um six startups. Oh, nice. Uh, ex- exited to to public. Before mm-hmm. that, I'd been. uh in advertising agencies, work on really big Fortune 50, hmm. 50 companies. Right. So I can tell you that firsthand that if someone had told me, you need to slow down, <laughs>
1: again, with,
2: may have my middle finger may have come. Yeah, I was good. Right? I was because just thinking you, you would salute
1: them with. Yeah, right. Thank you so
2: much for that financial right. feedback.
1: <laughs> right. But, right.
2: And so I think it's important for, for us to talk about here on your podcast that mm-hmm. slowing down is. It is a practice. It is literally a practice. And oftentimes, singing or skiing or Mm. running are ways that we implore our entire system to slow down. This doesn't mean that you're actually producing any less. And this is a hard piece for leaders to wrap their head around. Right. Well, in the slowdown, more production actually can happen.
1: Exactly. You know, and and the lesson uh, a lot of times I hear people referencing with like high performing sports athletes is it's, it's the recovery time that determines if you're going to be professional or not. Can you recover faster? You know, and, and by faster, it means taking actual time to recover, not build, build, build. You don't, uh, you know, practice every single day because you're going to break your body down. It's like, it's rep, it's these practices of recovery, recovery, recovery is the most important part to the practice because the better I recover, the more I can grow. And, and I think in leadership, it's gotta be the same way. How do we get good, which I sucked at and still am learning, how do we get good at kind of that recovery and what's recovery mean? Kind of that breath, walking, running, uh, meditation, what prayer, whatever that is for the individual. Right. right. Yeah, because it actually, to your point, allows us to actually be more productive, even though it may seem slower, if that makes yes. sense.
2: Yes, yes. And, you know, they, they the, the practice of prayer or the practice of mm-hmm. meditation or the practice of running Mm -hmm. All of those, the word practice is so important because we don't, we're not practicing to practice. We're practicing for the game. We're practicing for the show. Right. Right. So the idea, the real idea behind it to your very, very valid point is, am I, am I recovering or practicing so that I'm just then having more polarity, right? Mm Where I'm then recovering really hard.
0: So I can just mm-hmm. go
2: down really hard and then I blast myself. Right. Like right. Or am right. I like actually practicing so that when I'm in the room, when I'm in the moment,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that practice is applied immediately and without us, you know, over time without us having, you know, to think right. about it. Right. Yep. It happens less and less. You can look at really terrific archetypes of leaders and CEOs that mm-hmm. we love that have come from our generation, for example.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And You will notice that those who are slow and steady, you can tell they're laying back, they're taking it. (laughs) They can actually tell when they're in their body. Right. Right. Versus those that are like spinning out of control in their head. Right. Right. right? And there's a way that the people who are slowing down and in their body and able to speak from the whole person that they are Mm -hmm. are garnering the support of teams around them. Right. And having more productive conflict, having more productive conversation. It's so inane to me that we think that we should check all of ourselves in some way, parts of ourselves at at home when we go into quote unquote work mode. Right. Right. And that somehow all those emotions and all that, all those pieces of ourselves go away. Guess what? It's still there.
1: Right. And it
2: works below the surface. Exactly. For like two weeks because we're burned out.
1: Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. If we can't bring our whole selves to work, then where are we, you know, then we're divided. Right. We're, yeah, we're we?
2: divided, right? And we're going from blasting off to recovery or practicing, you know, so many of the times you see people practicing yoga and then they, you know, mm-hmm. they roll up their mat and they get in the car and suddenly they're, you know, they're in traffic having like road rage. I don't like integrate these experiences of practicing the slowdowns so that the slowdowns actually happen. When you're yeah. having a tough, the toughest conversation you've had with your investor mm-hmm. and you're having that conversation from a slow place. Very so you- different.
1: Yeah. And, and I think more compassion flows in, more humanity flows in when you're in that space and, and they can sense that. So there's usually, from my experience, at least, even if there's conflict, it it, it may come up momentarily, but then at some point there's this human connection that kicks in and and there's understanding that may have not been, or would not have been there had there been an agenda and everything's in the head and everything's in a PowerPoint and everything, you know, I'm going to make all these points. It's like, I remember I've had to have some tough conversations with investors uh, in, in that gym. And it was literally, I just went, I said, let's just, you want to have a talk? Let's just talk at your house. Right. And here's where mm-hmm. I, I just laid all the cards out. And through that transparency, it went from, from, you know, a, a very contentious thing to hugging and, you know, mm-hmm. refriending each other and just, you know, being human beings and understanding that we all got hit, right. We all got hit. It wasn't that anybody was doing anything one way or another it's just the world shifted and we didn't see it you know who could have predicted that shift
2: who could have predicted that shift and, we're, and guess what we'd like to all stop talking about those things like <laughs> no one wants to talk about the pandemic anymore exactly right. what's well, so important to recognize it to coming back to like where are we today yes right? mm-hmm. is that we're still in not only did we not come out of the pandemic and everyone was so you know eager to forget about it and myself right. included right right That and then we suddenly go into this next shift, right? Which is this
0: Mm
2: -hmm. sort of shift to normalcy. Let's call it from the rapid rapid sort of ascent to the pandemic to the shift to normalcy. Just like you talked about with Steve Jobs, to the Mm -hmm. he came back and then the shift to ten. Right, right. We're sort of in this place of um, kind of recovering still, right, and finding Mm -hmm. our feet in Mm all of that. Um. You, you said something I thought that was very wise, which is listeners want tangibility. And so what is, what is something mm-hmm. tangible? You talked about mm-hmm. the breath. Going so mm-hmm. mm-hmm. to the breath. Um, the interesting piece about the breath, there's a couple interesting pieces about the breath. I'm sure it was there's of her notes of this from many places, but two things that I love. Number one, the spaces between the inhale and the exhale, the brain actually has a very difficult time processing or thinking. Mm-hmm. So when we sit down to breathe, one of the things that's happening in our bodies, if we're breathing slow enough to notice the pause between the inhale and the exhale, is that our brain slows down,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? Mm-hmm. And it allows us to reconnect into our body,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? The second thing that the breath can do is a lot of times I start people off, and I'll do exercises with my with my clients, right? Mm-hmm. That is like. I'll start off sometimes, not up, not depending on how they're coming to the session. If they're like, I'm coming here, I need to talk. <laughs> right. I might slow them down and try to do a little right. work with them. Right. Sometimes we don't. But when we do, the first thing we'll ask them to do is notice where the breath is stopping in the body. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes for me too, I can stop at the throat.
0: Right, like, right.
2: We're like, it like we're walking again. We're walking that kind mm. of mimics that feeling of walking. 20 feet in front of ourselves, right? We're sort of stopping at the throat and we're 20 feet in mm-hmm. front of ourselves. Yep. And right. So totally in
1: our heads. Yep.
2: The, first, the second thing that I love about the breath is we can encourage it to come down deeper into the body. Can of come right. to my chest, going to come to my upper belly, my lower belly, all the way down to my feet.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So that's one great exercise. The second tangible piece of mm-hmm. how do I slow down? How do I know? How do I even know where I'm at? How do I know if I'm in my body? Is to feel the hands and feet, mm. like to feel what it feels like slowly to grip the fingers, release the fingers or to move the toes. Like we forget about our feet so often during the day we're sitting, maybe we're standing and our feet will remind us that we're here standing at our desk. But even right. so, like just moving the toes around, feeling the mm-hmm. bones in the feet. Mm -hmm. And grounding ourselves back into our body in the middle of tough conversations is very helpful to know to begin to know when our body, where our body is at, what is our body feeling. Totally, emotion is present. So, what's what emotion is present for you right
1: now (laughs) during our
2: podcast?
1: I'm just enjoying the I'm just enjoying the moment. I'm enjoying the reminder that in the last probably two or three, well, probably three months, I've really been focused on what we've been talking about here today, which is you know, I've done different leadership training. I've done different spiritual training. I've done different meditation training. I used to teach meditation. Um, and in all of that, it, I never really, it never really clicked until about the last three months of how uh, we can use the body as a vehicle for uh, presence and awareness of the situation Um, that can give us wisdom that's beyond our own wisdom, right? It, it gives, it, or at least it allows us to calm down, you know, it allows the nervous system to calm down, and then we make decisions from a different space. And the weird, so, have you heard of seventy five hard? This this challenge that people do the seventy five. No. Okay, well, okay. So there's this challenge going around, kind of in the CrossFit community. I'm not a CrossFitter, but in the CrossFit community and some of the other kind of athletic communities, is basically you have to do these things for seventy five days straight without without fail. One of them is you work outside for forty five minutes, then you have to do a, another workout for forty five minutes that are separate. You have to drink a gallon of water you have to read 10 pages of a book, you have to take a picture, there's one other, I can't remember what the other one is off the top of my head. But so I started doing this when I moved to Asheville, uh, North Carolina. And but I incorporated in cold plunging, which I'd ne- I'd done cold plunging just a little bit at a, uh, earlier in the year, but I said, you know, I'm going to cold plunge every day that I'm doing this 70 70- for 75 days I'm going to cold plunge, which I did. Um and That cold plunging was interesting because it made me get in my body and feel my body. And that allowed me to be super present because it was painful, right? So you're jumping in, you know, you're you're in 45, 50, 55 degree water for three to five minutes at least. and, And all of a sudden, I started to actually feel the body was more of a vehicle than me, right? Than Matt. It was like basically this is my car, right? This is and there was a little bit of, of distance but in a good way where I wasn't distancing from my body but I was feeling my body and that allowed me then to start feeling in general where before I'm so type A and in my head a lot and have been most of my life that that I wasn't really even though I thought I was slowing down I wasn't really slowing down right I was just taking time to to um to self-soothe or to try to avoid the stuff that I that was haunting or chasing me, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so during this time, the the for me, I hiked every day. So hiking and then doing these cold plunges, it literally showed me that the body is a beautiful vehicle to take us to where we want to go if we use it that way versus everything's just kind of jumbled together and it's just thinking happening, right? That's and the body's right. just kind of going along for the ride.
2: Well, you said it beautifully, and I would encourage everyone to imagine in every instant of their life that they're taking a cold plunge. Yeah. Right. If, and then we're so in touch right.
1: with. Right. What we're feeling. Of our skin, yeah. What
2: we're feeling. That we're in this cold plunge all the time. Right. And I also would say that. Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have these 30 days, 75 day? I mean, it's great that those right. are Kickstarters. Right? right. But the idea right. is really to come back to polarity is. To use those moments in our lives, to use the cold plunge, which I'm a big fan of. We have it outside the house. Oh, I love it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great vehicle for getting in touch with awareness.
0: Yes.
2: (laughs) But to your point, right? Yeah. We can use these as like hitting the relief buttons. Right. Or we can use these practices, these moments, as integrate them back into how am I showing up at work? How am I showing up in the hardest moments of my life? Right. How am I showing up when I'm so stressed out and I've got deliverables and I've got investor money running out and I've got and I've got and I've got, got, we can add it up, Mm -hmm. right? Totally integrating that in every moment in time.
0: Mm -hmm. So I'm glad to
2: hear in this moment in time that it sounds like you're feeling (laughs) enjoyment, curiosity. Yes. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Totally. Totally. And
2: and to even just be with the moment between you and I in this podcast and our Mm -hmm. listeners are listening, Mm -hmm. right? To, to notice enjoyment mm-hmm. and to be with the texture of what that feels like mm-hmm. in the body. What is it, you know, how does it actually feel inside the texture of the skin? And this is something when I started to do it now here, here's my my secret. I was horrible. Talk about passion. I have mm-hmm. way too much passion. Right. Not enough slowing down.
0: Right. I did no.
2: not have training that came through my family of mm-hmm. origin and right. how it behaves. Right. I was your constant brilliant bull in a china shop.
0: Right. Yep.
2: I had to break a lot of things to get to the point where I felt okay slowing down. Like it, it got so broken that I had no choice. Right. It was like you, your carrier, you're gonna. Yes, I would get yep. that great message, which is brilliant marketer and really difficult to work with. Right. He's been <laughs> <to> <laughs> Right. I can can, can make arguments about being a woman. I can make arguments about being in marketing that made that hard. But at the end of the day, I take responsibility. Right. And what changed for me was Mm -hmm. the moment that I started to realize that there was work I had to do internally on my emotional self to even know what I was feeling. Right. So that I could begin to unpack those various snap moments when Mm -hmm. I'm moving quickly and I'm doing something that was creating disconnection or harm with my teeth right. right right and so that led me on the path of how do i how do i learn to be better by slowing down how do i learn to be better by feeling my feeling how do but, i learn I, to be better by understanding that every minute of texture of my life
1: mm-hmm. well and i think for most type a personalities uh and and even other personalities but especially for type a we mm-hmm. have to get to that point of mm-hmm. of of you know, for type A's, typically we, we're all about efficiency at some point. We, we, we want to win. Um, and, and a lot of times efficiency's in the win. We want to be able to scale. We want to be able to grow. We want to be able to push, but that means we have to be more efficient. And we get to a point where we become less and less efficient because we're breaking down more often. We're being broken more often. And then we have to do these practices. So these practices for, at least for me, they didn't come out of, Hey, I want to be more well-balanced and I want to do this. And I, no, it was this shit hurts. It sucks. <laughs> My stuff's not working. The stuff's falling apart. I need to find a solution. And in the finding of the solution came the practices. It wasn't that I was doing it. To exactly. Be, right. It wasn't that I was doing it to be a better human being, even. It was because it was like, this hurts a lot. And and if I want to get done what I want to get done, and then life has its way of being humorous, I feel, that, you know, through that, then awareness flows in. And, hey, maybe there's more to life than work and more to life than <laughs> than just pushing and, you know, dollars in the bank and all of those things come from the practices that, that I started to do because I was just trying to recover enough to do more of it, <laughs> right? I love
2: it. And I love what you said. Of all the things that you just said, the thing that struck me is this hurts a lot, yeah. right? And pe- we go through these pains, you know, in life. Mm-hmm. And I have this fantasy at one point that I was going to do a podcast called Finding Treasures in the Trash, Trash which is all yeah. about, you yeah. know, you kind of have to get to these extreme places sometimes times where we break yeah. down or where we just can't pull any more out of ourselves or our mm-hmm. team or our company. Right. Right. Where something has to give.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. And in those moments of giving those moments of breakdown, we can kind mm-hmm. of find ourselves on our hands and our knees, either metaphorically mm-hmm. or physically.
0: Yeah. Both right? And that do. happens yeah. with
2: analytics too. Right? Yeah. Same mm-hmm. thing. We, we sure. have to get to these pain points where we know something has to change. Right. You have it, to do something differently.
1: And, you know, I've been doing this podcast long enough that I get to meet incredible people like you, Carrie, that are leaders that have kind of been down the road, have have, have broken it and then figured out how to unbreak it and then are preparing probably to break it again. But 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 what I've noticed without fail, the, the most successful people have practices, usually morning, I'll call them rituals, but morning practices that they do first, day, whether it's working out, uh, could be you know meditating journaling doing you know they have like a quiet time in the morning where they're they're doing something that's that's that that puts them in touch with their feelings or in their heart or or planning even just planning for the day and without fail when i've asked that question on the show it it always comes back to they weren't doing those things their life their business started to go off the rails then as they started to 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 get their shit together they started using these practices and through these practices, that's how they maintain life balance. And then when they don't use these practices, things start to slide. Right. And because there's that always usually that ebb and flow with life.
2: Yeah. Do you want to know my second little dirty secret? I don't have a brain running practice at all. I'm <laughs> horrible. I'm always in a
0: <laughs> yes. i
2: awful. I don't, I'm not a 4am wake up. I don't no, do I'm not any hating. of those things. Right. But do you want to know what I've made my practice? This moment here. Mm-hmm. The moment that I come into relationship with someone else is the moment my practice starts in the morning, whether that's my husband. Oh,
0: right. I love it. Yeah. Whether mm-hmm.
2: that's my mm-hmm. Amazon delivery person. Mm-hmm. Every moment of interrelating with another human being is my moments, moment of practice because that's for me where my edge
1: was. Got it. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes. so
2: yeah. I can do solo and quiet really right. well.
1: <laughs> right.
2: Right. Yes. But my edge was when another person's stuff, right. whatever it is,
1: hit your stuff, <laughs> <and> my stuff, <laughs> right.
2: right? In the moment of yeah. the stuff colliding, yep. that was the moment of practice. Mm. That was the sit down to believe for me. Yes. That's the slowdown down for me. It's very Interesting. opposite, right? So, yeah. You know, that's not to say I did meditate this morning, but that's the that's <laughs> exception. I have a hard time. So right. I like to tell people this, right? Because I think so often we live in the fantasies of 75
1: hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hard.
2: Yeah. Right? Or full 30. Or, yeah, yeah. Right. If I could just do 10 or 15 minutes in the morning in 10 or 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So often we're living and striving to mm-hmm. make time in life when we don't have that kind of time. And nobody's mm-hmm. going to do 75 hard. I can tell you that for their whole life again.
1: No, no, hard, it is not to designed.
2: Right. It's not designed for that.
1: Right. And and it's not, not designed. I know yeah.
2: nothing about it. so I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not Well, but not like anything, routine, else. It, like it, anything it's, else. It's
1: a training regime. And then you figure out how to integrate into your life. Some of that training. Yes.
2: Yes. And so the, to our point about practice, right? Mm-hmm. My practice now is every moment that I am in an interaction with another human being or a group of human beings. How do I make that my practice? Mm-hmm. And the, the there's, you know, at Stanford, we talk about the, intrapersonal, which is knowing myself, the right. interpersonal and a group love. Mm-hmm. Right. And so a great leader is going to know all three. Right. I can guarantee you, most of the time, time-based spend very little on any of the three.
0: <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> right. Because, like you said, right.
2: We are a goal. Let's go set a goal. G- let's We're go get break it done. Goal. Set right. a new goal. Break the next goal. Set the next right. goal. Break yep. the next goal. Right. And oftentimes what happens what happened for me when i was 39 i'm 50 almost 58 now when i was mm-hmm. 39 i had a moment where i was like hmm, i keep crushing every goal i set and then i just want another goal and another goal, and
0: another goal. <laughs> that
2: became a life maybe right then of right. the fun of life mm-hmm. for, for people like you and i yeah yeah we like to win to yeah yeah I also read a really profound book when I was 15 years old, The Death of Ivan Ilyich, which is a Russian philosopher. And that where he mm-hmm. had, he was suddenly getting three weeks to live and he had this terminal like, d- disease and he was bedridden and he just had to sit and think about the life mm-hmm. that he led.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And this moment of 15 and 39 came together for me in this cataclysmic collision in which I quit my job and I went traveling for like two years and had, you know, mm-hmm. meditated in the Himalayas for three months of violence and went to mm-hmm. Africa. And, you know, went on that search that many people, right?
1: Don't. Yes, yes.
2: And what I really, really, came, what it really came down to for me is I can keep having the goals of crushing, it, which I still do. Mm-hmm. But there was this other kind of moment that I had with myself, which is like, is there more mm-hmm. beyond crushing the goals? And for no. me, where that landed was in this idea of interpersonal, intrapersonal group. How am I when I'm with people? How am I when I'm with myself? And how do I get really good at all three of those? Right. That makes a great leader in my life.
1: I, and that's, yes. And that, and which makes usually great companies, right? And great and we culture. We don't do it. Right.
2: Right. We yeah. don't do it. We go after the next and the next. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to crush it. I'm going to take this company public and I'm going to start the next one.
0: Mm-hmm. Because,
2: you know, that particular archetype of human being is so writ to mm-hmm crush goals, that the idea of actually knowing themselves or knowing how they are in relationship or knowing how they influence a group doesn't feel in the realm of possibility or in the realm of interest.
1: Right. Yep.
2: Right. Until they have maybe what you're you're calling that recovery breakdown.
1: Yeah. Heart attack, stroke, divorce, you know, the death of a loved one, but something, something's going to come along and and help, you know, help them. Uh, readjust priorities and look at life maybe more broadly, right? And more fully and more richly, hopefully through that. I mean, you know, sometimes it takes, so. I heard a, a preacher on Sunday said, do we get grace or do we get abundance? Grace is it, our, our life was spared. Abundance is we learned a lesson and that lesson blossomed in our life and we were able to you know, live a better mm-hmm. life. Not just survive the moment and it all came back to practice. What am I practicing, right? What's my practice in life um, so that I'm prepared for those moments of challenge or, you know, what battle or whatever that is. But but yes, in that practice comes comes the abundance. And we see that in companies, we see that in people. We love those stories, right? We love the the hero's journey stories where somebody was maybe on top and then they fell and then they rose again, right? Right? They're like the Phoenix from the flame. We love it because. There's there's a lot of beauty in it. There's a lot of growth. There's a lot of we all want that in our lives, I think, even when we uh don't want it in our lives.
2: I think so too. This <laughs> is this beautiful Russian story where unfortunately he didn't find it out until the last three weeks of his life. And right. I'm always hopeful that I think I've dedicated my life's work now mm-hmm. that leaders in business will have a moment. Mm-hmm. Whether that hopefully it's not the the big moment of divorce. Or right, right. Hopefully they're just having a moment right. where they have a wonderment yep. about what is the meaning of their own existence. And in that wonderment, it's steps you can still crush your goals. We can still right. go out there and be badass business people. They don't, they are not yeah. separate.
0: Right. Right. I agree Which I think with that. Yep. Oh, so
2: often we think they are. And yes. can I actually cultivate and practice your great word? Can I start to practice ways of being in the world that I can take with me to work that make, my company win bigger and better, I don't have to suffer. I can be in more connection with my body and my feelings and my life and the juiciness of mm-hmm. all of
1: that. 110%. 110%. 110%. 110%. So um, wisdom, what's your one, you've given us lots of wisdom today, but what's your one kind of, I'll, we'll, we'll take off the, the parameters of business and we'll say if there's one piece of wisdom that you gleaned throughout your life that you think would really impact and help others what would that one piece of wisdom be
2: i'm sure this has been said in millions of ways over time but i think for me it is life a life well lived is not built in our accomplishments alone a life well lived is built in moments like these where we're present with each other there are two moments in life that this happens most pronounced one is when we have the death of someone we care about and mm-hmm. the other is when we fall in love mm-hmm. and in those two very extreme emotions we become really present to our lives if you ever watched a friend who's just fallen in love
0: mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Like, yeah. They, they, yeah. like you
2: see it right like everything right. about their being changes mm-hmm. for the period of time that they're falling in love and it it is not so far from grief Everything changes when we're in grief for the time that we're in grief. Mm-hmm. And so my wisdom would be, let's not have it be only when we're falling in love and only when we're in grief. Let's have it be every moment that we get a chance to be present fully with our life.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, that's an, another piece of wonderful wisdom, Carrie. I appreciate that.
2: Sure. That's so, so glad okay. I've talking to you.
1: Yeah. I've had a great, thank you. It, it And that brought up stuff right there at the end. Your wisdom touched me. So your website is com. C-A-R-I Jacobs. That should be fairly easy. Dot com. And that's where you have kind of your, a uh, little bit more about what you do and how you do it and uh, yes. the way the ways you lead and guide leaders. And we appreciate the work you're doing out there in the world.
2: Thank you. And I also offer, if you come to my website, mm-hmm. com, mm-hmm. I offer a mm-hmm. free um, session. So, and I do that because I think oftentimes people don't really understand what that coaching is. Oh, yeah. Business right. coaching or, you know, right. what, what that is is a life coaching mm-hmm. and what is leadership right. coaching. And right. so I offer an hour so that you can directly experience it and decide it, for yourself if it's something you want to engage just, with, proceed with. Yeah.
1: And, and, and I think, you know, just for my own side, I, I, done leadership training and it's been invaluable in my life right I mean year-long programs that are similar to MBA that like literally engage thousands of dollars in time and you know travel and everything and, and it's it always is worth more than the lift it is always worth more because you just learn so much about yourself you learn how to communicate with others leadership training I think one of the I don't care if you're running you know a household of kids or if you're the CEO of a of Apple leader you Leadership training just always pays dividends. It just always pays. Always
2: does. does. I can tell you that um they survey the students mm-hmm. in the MBA obviously mm-hmm. the MBA program at Stanford and they ask, you know, what has been the most impactful course at Stanford? And I'm happy to say that the touchy feely course, it's often it's <laughs> not eighty to ninety percent of the time the favorite course because of what you're saying. right Right. like we can keep doing the gym we can keep running all the businesses in the world we can keep Mm -hmm. inventing we can keep creating but if we're not present to it Mm -hmm. through all for not Mm -hmm. right so now presence is so much of leadership is about being present to your experience and present to your team and present to how you show present to how you're paid
1: yes
2: really i'm so grateful that you've done all the work that you've done matt Mm -hmm. it's such a great opportunity to meet you
1: Yes, it was. It was so much fun. And when you get out to Asheville, come out. We'll hike. We'll cold plunge. And I we'll go would love some, that. We'll, we'll go out for some good food. You can you can uh, run around, or you can see my two little hoodlums that run around here. My house, my kids, and they're a, a ton of fun. We it's like a circus here, but I enjoy it. So we we have fun with what we got out here.
2: Lovely. Don't be surprised if you actually get a call for me
1: any day everybody's everybody's welcome come out and i love playing here and i love to share it with others so yeah anytime thank you thank you for being a part of the bright vibe podcast for more information go to brightvibe.com. that's b-r-i-t-e by bib thank you for listening